Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. David Dacker, your host. All right, y'all, let's do this. Sustainable. Sustainable in and out. Every day, all day, in everything that we do. And one of those things that you do, if you have a dog, do you love your dog? I hope so, because your dog loves you. So get them some treats that are good for the environment. Made of spent grain from beer from a brewery, right? After they make the beer, they have all this grain. They don't know what to do with it. Well, guess what? A couple of people got together. One loves dog. The other one loves beer. And they say, hey, let's make a treat for our dogs. And you end up with Brew True. You can check them out on Instagram, Brew True treats uh, on instagram and then on the website brewtruetreats.com all right y'all so it is the roaring 20s you thought about this now that you had time to think about all kinds of shit it is the roaring 20s once again but it's 2020 not 1920 so maybe not roaring yet but you know because 2020 got kicked in the nuts right at the first quarter of it all but point is is you know what the roaring 20s are known for i mean you know the the kind of shit that happened back then i mean it's credited with uh having jazz um flappers uh the women's lib movement uh suffrage movement the um unfortunately prohibition Unfortunately, the second uh, rise of the uh, KKK. Um, also, the what else? Well, at the end of the 20s, what do we have? Great Depression starts 1929. And it almost seems like we start in there. And the reason for that is because one of the things that was characterized uh, with the 20s was a lot of spending and credit. You know, you had the car and you had manufacturing and you had, I mean, people were going balls out with the 1920s because it was new shit, man. You didn't have to ride a horse anymore. Now you can ride in the car and you had uh, the radio. So now you can listen to music. Uh, I mean, just the, the, the concept of dancing, you know, is from the 1920s. And so... You know what do we have? What we have we had recently? I mean, we we definitely have massive amount of credit debt. We have, um, I mean, lots of di- dancing still. I mean, now the KKK looks uh, different. You know, wears different hoods than they did before. Um, and manufacturing, oh shit, the manufacturing is looking different too. They got machines now. You know, they have a machine that can make cocktails kind of shit is that we all say it's not the same but that was said before then so point i'm getting to is it's a lot of changes coming and so one of the changes of that is well before i get to that right now it's a prime time for you and i and us in the restaurant and bar industry to look at what the future of the industry can look like because although you may be desperate to get back to work because pockets are empty 
then you could miss the opportunity. And that opportunity is one of obviously service because people can get a machine to make them an espresso, but it's not as good and it's not the same. Now, depending on where you go, you might get a shitty attitude from your barista, but uh, let's say that you don't, right? And, and it's, a, it's a great experience, the experience of being in a coffee shop. It's very similar to the experience of being in a bar. You can drink at home all you want, but it's not the same as being in a bar. In a bar that has a nice ambience, yeah, because it looks good or because it has a certain aesthetics that appeals to you, it's also because of the staff. And so, in order to, one of the things that have been exposed right now is how thin a budget that that restaurants and bars have to run on because it's such a low profit margin. Part of that has been because there's been this boom on television network and internet of, you know, uh, the celebrity chef and, and all the investment, right, of, of booming restaurant industry. And the problem is that there's been too many restaurants. I know for a fact that here in Houston, we've been saturated for a while. And they might show numbers that it is still space for growth and you're still making money. But it is not the same. Because I can remember the days whenever you could, a bartender would save their money, open a bar. And you just had to hold on for about a year. And paying rent wasn't that difficult. Right. And I'm not saying not that difficult, but not that impossible. And so and then once you turned that corner, it was it was insane. The amount of profits that you could make. It was it was great business to be in. Now you could be heavily uh, invested, have deep pockets, and it doesn't guarantee that you're going to make it. Because there's an insane amount of competition. It's just you're, everybody's fighting for the same dollar. So possibly what this is going to bring is a contraction that was overdue in the restaurant and bar industry. Now, I'm not happy that people are losing their money that uh, put a lot of hard work and people losing their jobs uh, at the places that won't reopen. But what I am saying is that this was overdue. At least here in Houston, a bunch of places opened up for, for the Super Bowl several years ago that were just open for the Super Bowl. Right. They didn't close right after the Super Bowl because they had the whole and I can't remember what it was, but it was the big tent. If you live from Houston, then you know what I'm talking about. This is 10,000 square feet or some shit like that. 90,000 square feet. Of, it was it was an, it was insane uh, of a club and it just killed. It, it just killed the opportunity for everyone else here in Houston. And so these places that should have been shut three or four months after the Super Bowl, because that was their plan. Uh, they had to stay open in order to recoup the money for the shitty bars that they put together because most of them were shitty. And so, and yes, I'm being judgmental. <laughs> and so that contraction was necessary and it was due to happen. It just so happens that a fucking global phenomenon occurred and, you know, some places are not going to reopen. So what is it that you can do right now? Obviously, I've been talking about 
you know, right now is a time that you have time to spend whatever it is, 20, 30, $40, $50 for some of these certificates that you can do uh, and test online in order to improve your knowledge so that when you get back to it, you're more competitive. But also, the other thing is, in, in my opinion, the way I see this is sustainability now is more crucial, more important, uh, I mean, game changer than ever before. Bars and restaurants are notorious for the stupid amount of waste. And so why not take this opportunity right now to change that? Because it's not just waste of the, the, the putting perfectly good food in the trash, you know. It's also waste when it comes to money. Because, unfortunately, most of the sustainable programs and most of the people that I have talked to about sustainability, well, not that I have talked to, but let's say the videos I've seen and the, and the information that I have read on sustainability for a program is very complex, very complex. And so let me tell you what I have been able to do prior to this at Lockwood Station in Houston, Texas. This is a small incubator bar, a couple of hundred feet, a couple of hundred square feet. And because it's in a, in a food hall, right? We have over, it's about 450 people occupancy, five restaurants, right? I'm one of three bars. And in order to make sure that I had the highest quality of cocktails, and be able to expedite them and put them out at the fastest rate possible. Because when people come to me to get a cocktail, more than likely they already order the food. And if the food is already out and getting cold before I can put the cocktail out, then that's a problem. It's a problem for me because they're going to choose one of the other bars. And one of the other bars is a wine bar. It doesn't take a whole lot of time to buy a bottle of wine. It really doesn't. And so if people want cocktails, then I have to be able to provide the cocktails quickly. Well, I use what you were probably already thinking if you're in the industry. But what I use is draft cocktails. I got a few of those. And then I have consolidated ingredients where a, a cocktail with five or six ingredients can be made with just with two touch. And that means I got in two bottles, I have consolidated the ingredients. So that way I put bottle A and bottle B together, X amount of each, shake or stir, and boom, the cocktail goes out. So it's very quick. But in addition to that, what I found was that if I don't have a bunch of herbs or herbs, if you're European, um, <laughs> uh, then I don't have a whole lot of waste, right? So yes, you say, well, how are you supposed to make a mojito? I don't make mojitos. I don't make south sides. I don't have a uh, basil uh, martini or margarita or anything like that. I just don't. I have other cocktails that I offer and my staff offers to people whenever they ask for those things. Because if someone is asking for a mojito, they want something refreshing. If there's someone is asking for um, a basil type of martini, they want something herbal. Something refreshing, I got that. It's a, and, and I'm going to use classics as uh, examples of what you can offer because whether you listen to this in France, in Ireland, in Britain, or anywhere else uh, in the world, you're going to know what these cocktails are. So 
Someone asked me for uh, mojito and I can't make that. I'll offer them a course reviver, light and refreshing. Someone asked me for a basil martini um, and I can't make that. Then I'll offer them a um, last word. Simple as that. And let me tell you, people are always leave happy. I don't think that in, in this particular bar, I've had someone get upset that we didn't have that. They might not be sure about it, but normally <laughs> there's someone there, <clears throat> if not us, that assures them that the cocktail is going to be good. I rarely say you don't have to pay for it if you don't like it, but because most of the people are there to drink and eat and have a good time. And so they like, sure, because the transaction is very simple. If it's not good, they're not coming back. So I'm just shooting myself in the foot. Anyhow, um, that eliminates all of those herbs that normally wilt, especially in Houston, where we have a very, very humid um, temperature uh, environment. <clears throat> the climate is warm and humid in the summer and a mint will wilt in 10 minutes. You can have the most beautiful, freshest looking uh, mint and it will wilt in the next five minutes. So you're not going to use it as a garnish. You can use it for flavoring, but you're not going to use it for garnish because it looks like trash. All right. So don't have that. The next thing is I limit the amount of juices that I have because in every single bar, and this is, this is from experience from all the cocktail bars that I have worked at over the last six or eight years is that you have all of these products and you have in them just for those people that ask for it. I have grapefruit juice for just for the people that ask for a Paloma. Well, if it's not on the menu, people aren't going to ask for it. And what if I don't want to have the Paloma on the menu? I have to still carry the grapefruit? No, I just don't offer Paloma. You can have a uh, margarita or El Diablo, something like that. But the point is, is that, yes, it's true. You cannot offer all the classics. Boo-hoo. There's only a handful of classics that you can't offer. The other one is, so no herbs. And I limit the juices to um, lemon and lime. And yes, on occasion, I'll bring in some grapefruit juice because I'll have a special and we'll make uh, the Palomas and, and things like that. Uh, but the other one is, and so that right there limits a, a, the uh, the waste that we have, right? Herbs, juices. Next thing is uh, eggs. I love a whiskey sour. As a matter of fact, I feel like I make a better sour than most people. Truly, especially if it's an Amaro sour. Um, I'm... I'm extremely confident uh, in in my skill set when it comes to that but what do we do with the the egg yolk after we pull the egg white majority of the time we throw it out everywhere I've, I've worked even when the places that have a kitchen that may be able to use them if you have a busy night where you made a bunch of sours and you have a whole pint or more of egg yolks and you take it to the kitchen they're looking at you like what the fuck am I supposed to do with this Right. Because one, you're giving it to them at the end of the night Two, already they're they probably already did that prep. And it's only a prep that they do once, 
two, twice, three times a week. And even if they make it on a daily basis, well, you know, good for you then. But that's not every restaurant, not, at least not in the U.S. It's definitely not in Houston. Sometimes they can use them. Sometimes they can. A lot of the times they can, even if they're making fresh pasta. So with those three things, I'm able to get very close to zero waste. And the majority of the time, people actually are extremely happy and very um, have a lot of comments and compliments about the cocktails, the staff, and the feel of the place. Even those people that ask for something that we can't make. And the reason why is because we put them, we give them something that is similar enough. Um, we have a, a enough knowledge on uh, things that relate to one another. In other words, if someone had a Manhattan and they want something similar but different, you know, we could always give them a Vukare or, you know, a... Um, man, I forgot. A Red Hook. Right? Similar cocktails, but different. And therefore, those people are having a great experience. Same thing with the person that asked for the mojito or asked for the basil thing. Now, the people that ask for stuff that really get mad normally are looking for flavored vodkas. And that's the truth. Right? They want their flavored vodka, whatever brand it is that they're used to. And if you don't have it, then they throw a little hissy fit. Uh, not always. Occasionally. Rarely. I'll say that, but that's the majority of what we get. The most, most of the time, most people are saying, well, what do you suggest? And my staff is trained to suggest the closest thing possible. And the thing that that person's palate is more than likely going to enjoy because of the requests they make, whether it's a crown and Coke, Jack and Coke, Mojito, a Southside, um, you know, or anything else. A whiskey sour. The whiskey sour is the one that we straight up tell them. It's like, listen, that's a textural thing. Um, we don't have anything that is going to give you that sort of texture. But if you want something that is very flavorful, complex, uh, we have the cocktail for you. And that's it. And again, I'm near zero waste. And the reason why I'm near zero waste is because uh, for one, the tonics are bottled and um, we don't keep those overnight. Uh, the soda is bottled. We don't keep those overnight. Uh, same thing with the Coca-Cola, Sprite, soda, um, club soda, uh, tonic, and um, whatever else other ingredients that we may have that, that are uh, effervescent, we don't keep, including sparkling uh, wine. Uh, they don't roll over to the next day. So... Yes, that may seem very wasteful, but the one that we use for the house is is not super expensive and we don't make that many cocktails with it. And normally it pays for itself, you know, after X amount of cocktails. But that's why it's near zero waste. But that right there is a lot less than if I have eggs that have been sitting there that I'm not using and been this, they've been sitting there for months and eventually have to throw them out. The egg yolk that we're constantly throwing out the um, the fruits, the juices, right? And let me tell you the, the, the real cost in all of this. Whenever you have all of these ingredients and um, and you don't want to throw them out, you just use them until the very end. Uh, 
here's the worst part that the, the worst thing that you can do is not check the freshness of for instance and this is the one that i see the most um of your grapefruit juice it's been plenty of times whenever someone would hand me a grapefruit juice in some of the places that i work to make a cocktail and i'll open it nose it and then go like no this is off is do you have a fresh one? Oh no just go ahead and use it it just doesn't matter they just it's just this one okay so now i have to have that argument but aside from that let's say this customer gets that cocktail it doesn't taste right are they going to order a second one and worse off are they going to come back and beyond that are they ever going to trust the establishment or you as the bartender especially if you're in a small market where you're going to go work somewhere else that that person is going to see you so these are the things you need to consider whenever before you put out a shitty a, a, an ingredient that is uh passes is freshness uh date this is something that you need to consider if you want to establish yourself as um a place worthy of someone spending 12 15 18 dollars for a cocktail and so but the other part of the sustainability once you to go beyond that that is the simplest form i'm giving you the simplest form for you to do have a sustainable program or at least to implement some sustainability into your program and by sustainability i mean one that what i just told you keeps everything fresh because most of the ingredients are stable um you know shelf stable and the other ones are you know if you're throwing out you're not pouring flat tonic into people's gin and tonic then it's always going to be high quality but that's just the simplest form now once you dig in a little bit more and you start to look into ingredients and you look at their cultivation the harvesting the processing the shipping um the the distribution of them before it gets to you the you and then the consumer that's a lot of energy that's a lot of uh That's a lot of processing. That's a, there's a lot of steps before that that one ingredient gets to you. So that's my little nugget for you right there. It is the simplest form. You just have to make sure that whatever it is that you're substituting with or you're providing for your customers is of high quality and that you train yourself and you train your staff to make sure to suggest the correct substitutions. All right, so there's a lot of things that have come out of the COVID-19 shutdown, okay? Again, this is a global fucking thing. But one of the things here in, in the United States that is very clear is that workers have no fucking rights, especially workers in the restaurant and bar industry. You're trash. You're nothing. You're service. You're servants. That's essentially the way that you're viewed because... Many of us haven't gotten our stimulus check or relief check from the federal government. Many of us have been rejected from the Texas Workforce Commission, the Unemployment Commission, the ones that is supposed to be taking care of us right now because we were shut down by the state, by the city, by the federal government. And yet, here we are struggling to get a few dollars. But further, there's also a need for workers 
to unite in one way or another because employers do shady shit in this industry all the time. Employers don't report your income. And therefore, whenever you go on to the Texas Workforce Commission, you find out that it is a small fraction of what you've actually earned in the last year that is being claimed by your employer. And so you get shut out of these benefits that you earned. Now, everyone likes to talk about how business earn, right? And therefore, they don't like to get taxed because of this, because of that, because of the other thing. As a, as, as a work, as a, a part of the labor force, your commodity is your labor. And you earn certain things. And you work for these things. And one of those things is, is unemployment benefits. But whenever there is a shift in the industry, there's an emergency, you are, things happen. And you need some of that assistant, assistance. And yet, whenever employers do a very terrible job at reporting or do fraudulent reporting, you're the one that get fucked. So, think about this and make sure that coming out of this stand down, this shutdown, this lockdown, that you take part in making and creating a better environment for the labor force that you're a part of. There's been reports of, you know, domestic abuse being on the rise. And so that got me a little bit curious and uh, looked into it a little bit. And the way that this applies to us in the hospitality industry in uh, to everyone but in particular for us because i just i can see it so clearly um in bars is the different personality types and so the best analogy that i saw the, the best descriptor was you know if you have someone who is very organized um and therefore these are the people that have schedules Right. And so get up at a certain time, you, you know, have your breakfast, you have your, you work out, you do whatever it is that your routine is. Um, you take a shower, you get dressed, you go to work and then at work, you have your own routine, you know, um, you may get there early so that way you can have your coffee. You can say hello to everyone. Uh, you know, you move around in a, in a certain way until you get to your station or whatever your prep is in, in the bar. And so right now, not having any of that, not having that structure, it's got to be driving you crazy because if you don't already have a hobby or something along the lines of that at home in your personal life, then going from zero from, from, from 200 <laughs> to zero um, you know, just gets into your head and you might end up saying and, and doing stupid shit. The other personality type totally see this in the bar industry is the, um, the dominant type, the more alpha type, 
and the very competitive type. And that is the person that needs someone there that they can compete against. And so, you know, without, you know, showing up to work, a place outside of home, outside of personal, to go and have these adversaries, so to speak, you know, you know, your, your co-workers, it's like, oh, you know, whatever they do, I can do better. Now you're, if you don't, again, have a hobby or have something that you work on in your personal life, then if you go from being busy, keeping yourself super busy, uh, especially if you're the type that is going to work in two or three different places to keep your time busy, your, you know, to stay competitive, then you're at home and now who's your competition? Well, your kids, your mom, your wife or your, your girlfriend, <clears throat> your roommate. So obviously there's going to be the, some rift right there, right? And there's going to be problems with that because unless you're being competitive in card games or something benign, um, then it can become a problem. But even in those benign games, um, shit can get really intense for some people. So there's that. And I'm saying all of this just so that way you're aware of it. And if it's, you know, strikes a nerve or, you know, you know, hits home, then you need to, uh, take a look at that, you know, and just say, okay, maybe I need to increase my, my workout or, you know, find a hobby or see how fast I can, you know, finish some sort of training that I've been meaning to do for a long time. Something along those lines. Obviously online. But we're already on the fourth week. Uh, this is uh, uh, April the 27th. So we're on the fourth week of, of the shutdown. And so there's uh, there's uh, some leeway now into actually getting out and and being able to get some stuff done. But still, most of the stuff you're going to do right now is online, especially when it comes to uh, any type of certification or schooling. The other type is the person that is, um, um, I say studious, right? And, or um, uh, analytical. And so that person is going to go and probably did a research at the very beginning of this and it was like okay you know this is this is something we can handle and and prepared and maybe didn't freak out and then time indoors finally you know is getting to you or got to you recently and so maybe you freaked out a little bit um but then the other flip side of that is that also the people that are very studious or analytical sometimes don't think about some things as worthy of being inform informing yourself of and you thought nothing of the COVID situation. Suddenly, three weeks, you know, two, three, four weeks into it, you realize, holy shit, you know, savings are running low or stimulus is not, hasn't gotten here or unemployment is fucking bullshit because they can't process you know, more than a few applications a week, um, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden it becomes a reality that this is a bit of a, of a historic moment. You know, the entire world has shut down and you freak out. So you either freaked out at the beginning, or you're freaked out at the end, but 
either way, just need to get your head together, do a little research, take a look at the situation. The entire world shut down. So this thing, this thing is real. The thing, you know, and so, but, you know, is it, that's, you know, anyways, I'm not going to get into it because I'm not a medical doctor or research doctor, but the problem right now is still don't know who's going to hit hard, who is not. All right. Leave that there. And then you have these, the people that are used to being at work and that is your community. It is your family. You know, these are the people that you bring into you, into your circle, into your life, you know, the same as your mother, your sisters, your daughter, your, your father, your brothers, your cousins, you know, the, whenever you at work, there's people like that to you, that they're family. And so you definitely miss missing that, you know, this is something that is a shock because you go in weeks without seeing this person or, you know, without giving them a hug or, or joking or, you know, having those late night conversations or, you know, that groove you get into whenever it's prep or you're busy, you miss those people. You know, it's, it's strange like that. Our industry is so, has, is so complex because it's entirely uh, based on human or human interaction and emotional IQ. And suddenly that those two things are kind of taken away because it, the emotional IQ become, becomes very, uh, narrow and sort of in, in a vacuum, so to speak, because you're just around a certain amount of people. You're only at home, depending on whether you live by yourself or you live with your significant other or you have a roommate of any kind. You know, your interactions get very limited. And so, you know, again, that, that takes away your community, your family, your, your, your routine, even, you know, in having those people in your life that, that is important to you. So take, you know, listen to this, take note in the sense of who you are in, in this group and, um, and just take it, take it, take it a stride. I mean, it's, uh, like I said, the end of April where it seems like things are starting to open up again for good or for bad. We're definitely going to find out. Um, hindsight is 2020. So, Make sure you don't rush into anything because, you know, after the fact, if you make the wrong choice, you're going to be, man, you know, I should have known this. Or I should have known that. Or I was told this. or I was told that. Or the information was there. Um, you know, hindsight is 2020. So don't wait until being on the other side to realize that you fucked up because on the other end, if you're taking it too serious in, in, or, you know, too big of a threat. And in months later you realize, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Well, maybe you missed out on some money, but that's, you know, you can very easily recover that. Okay. If you have good health. Make sure to check out the website, open bar that space. You can also listen on at, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or Alexa. Um, leave a like, comment, make suggestions. Let me know what you want to uh, to hear. Uh, you can find me at um, Twitter, 
at David Dacry, or actually at Dacry underscore TV. And you can find me on Instagram as David underscore Dacry. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, and keep the conversation going.